and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hey, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of TV My Husband Hates. How you doing, Reagan? I'm good, I'm good. Just another day in the paradise, which is quarantine. <laughs> Man, I'm starting to forget what life pre-quarantine was like. Like the thought of actually leaving the house is is almost becoming less and less desirable. I mean, I feel like I'm an 80-year-old woman when I really look forward to like the grocery run on my cuz like I do grocery shops on Fridays. And it's the only time we leave the house or and I leave on my own. Like nobody comes with me. It's like the only alone time I have, Monday through Friday. And I look forward to it. I've dressed up for it. Your trip to King Supers is your holiday. It, it is, it is. Now now accompanied by a face mask. It's now kind of a rule here that you have to do that. So my mother-in-law made us homemade face oh, masks. Oh, bless Paula. Which made me feel like I was suffocating. <sighs> The whole time. I'm not good with things on my face at all. And it just like freaked me out. Uh, me neither. I hate having things on my face. Yes. Uh, as, <laughs> or covering my nose and as mouth. A rule, a suffocating. As a rule of thumb, <laughs> I hate having things on my face. Um, I'm the same though. Even being under a duvet, I can't. You know, some people like yeah. sleep under a duvet. Oh, I can't bear it so when the weird. air's hot. You're breathing in the air, you breathe out. I feel like it's the same people who can sleep with socks. Can you sleep yeah, with socks? Well, when it's cold, oh. I can sleep with socks. Yeah, no. See, I, I just can't. Oh my God. Like, I don't like that feeling of confinement. When it's cold, I go, I get dressed to go to bed. I'll have like tracksuit bottoms, socks, t-shirt, hoodie. I'll put the hood up and I'll go to bed in the winter. See, yeah, I still don't wear anything. And I wonder why I'm not having very much sex. <laughs> Anywho. Um, yeah, so we are, we're here, but we're still in quarantine, but we are still doing it. And this week it's slightly different. We've got to get through a lot because we are now recording on a Saturday, which means that we can do the most late, the latest episode of The Shars of Sunset. Yes. But to do that, we're going to have to fill in two episodes this week. So we'll be doing episode nine, which was last Friday's, and episode 10, which was yesterday's episode. Yes, yes, The yes. other thing is... Um, we'll have a lot to get Reagan through. Reagan has been working super hard. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I'm leaving them. I'm leaving um, yeah. you to tell them. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, if that wasn't clear. Yes. So we finally have one of our, because we record every single one of these episodes. We've got video for all of them. I just finally got off my ass and edited it and put it together. So our YouTube now has episode one, if you want to see what we looked like on episode to be one. Honest, um, it is up there. The thing is, though, is that we're, not that I'm blowing our, I actually am blowing our own horn. We are yeah. so much better now than we were on episode one. We that, are. like, the thought of going back and listening to episode one kind of fills me a little bit with dread. It does. I mean, especially, I think episode two was where we took a real dip <laughs> and we kind of went off on, like, a crazy tangent. I think that was the point at which we went, oh, maybe we should take notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, don't so. judge us on that first episode is all I'm saying. Start somewhere no. around episode 15, 16. I think by then we'd kind of really found our groove. Yeah, and so I'm going to really start nailing it, get those videos up. There'll be two different little playlists, so you can watch the full episodes or the mini episodes, um, which we call mini-sodes. So yeah, those will all be up there. So YouTube is up and running. If you want to hit us up over there, we're at TV My Husband Hates, same handle. Um, and we'll do some links on Instagram and Facebook. She's been very, very busy. Thank you, Reagan. Um, the other thing is 
I'm going to put it at the top of the, I'm going to put it at the top of the episode. We would really, really love it. And we're always grateful for any rates and reviews that you can do. We always talk about it at the end of the episode, but yes. I think some people check out a little bit by that point. So please, totally. please, if you do listen and you do like us, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review them because it really is the single most important thing um, in terms of us growing the podcast and doing more. So um, if you like what we, you hear... We've got loads of them. Yeah. If you, if you like what Sorry. you hear, then please go ahead and do it. I know we've been getting some more, haven't we? We have, yeah. We got one from McIrish Lady and Jamie Lauren, and this is not showing all of the ones, but we got like six more. Um, we'll name check you on the next episode. I'll be a little bit more prepared. But thank you, McIrish Lady and Jamie Lauren, for giving us those reviews. That's really what helps us um, kind of climb those charts and they it also helps us be like recommended to people who are listening to other things so get those also we're really geeky because um whenever we get a new one we like screenshot it and send it to each other and both do kind of like a little happy dance so if you want us to do happy dances um then you know (laughs) give us some great reviews um anyway shall we get on with what we are here for yes Let's get on it. We are starting with Charles. We've got, as we said before, episode nine and ten. So um, yes, we're kind of we're going to talk about it more or less in order, but we're going to leave the bulk of the MJ Reza stuff till the end. But I think first of all, let's go right back to the beginning of episode nine and talk about Gigi and her miscarriage and kind of how she's dealing with that. Yeah. So we see Gigi and Sara go visit a Reiki master to kind of open up her chakras and do all this stuff after the miscarriage, which is all well and good if you believe in in that sort of things. My real issue with this is Gigi bringing up miscarriage as kind of like karmic payback for things that she did in her past. And I think that's a really dangerous opinion to put out there from her, not me. I think my opinion is correct. <laughs> um, because I also think it links Shocker. to like Reza, Reza shouting at MJ about like all of her abortions. Like somehow as women, we have like body karma that if we choose to do things when we're young or we make decisions, that somehow our body is going to have to pay some sort of retribution for those decisions, I think is real shit. And I think it's a shitty attitude to put out there and a a dangerous opinion. I I agree. I don't think, I I think Gigi's doing it from more of a place of like self-deprecation and guilt rather than Totally. Rather than perhaps making a, a much wider generalization about every woman that has a miscarriage, but I do fully, yeah. fully understand that I think it's it's it is a really damaging way to think about yourself, but it's also a damaging thing for other people watching to to hear as well because it's just simply bollocks. It's not true. Yeah. Um, no, it's and not. her miscarriage would that is not related to anything that she's done before. That's just the way the fucking cookie crumbles. It's just the breaks, right? I mean, yeah. it just happens. It happens to a lot of people. Um, this kind of ties into our chat with the Real Housewives of Atlanta, but I think it happens so much to everybody, but a lot of us don't talk about it, and that's why I think it's really important that we we put it out there. And, you know, I've had two miscarriages in between both of my children. It, I don't feel like it was anything that I did in my past to spur that on or anything like that. Um it's just the breaks and it's shitty breaks and it makes you feel sad and that's okay. Um, but yeah, we all just need to share our stories about that and make people feel heard because it's not, it's not a, like, I don't want to say it's not a random occurrence because I actually think it is just 
a random thing that happens in most cases, and we just all need to talk about it more and make people feel less alone about it. Yeah, and I think because when you feel alone, you start to really superimpose all of these other feelings that Gigi is doing about guilt and and totally all of that stuff. And it really breaks my heart for her that that's how she feels about it. Um, I hope somebody is sitting her down and saying. This is not your fault because right. that's essentially what she's saying. Um, Absolutely, and, and that makes me sad. So I hope she's got somebody to talk to her about that. But it's also, you know, it's it's. At what point do you draw the line? Do people get cancer because they right, were a right. bully at school? Like you yeah. just can't. The two are completely unrelated. Um, so while I hope that she gets better, and obviously she doesn't. She well. In the, in the episode, right. she doesn't. She ends up going in for yeah, emergency yeah. surgery. And she does have both her fallopian tubes um, removed. And as we talked about last week, that does mean that she's now unable to get naturally pregnant but can still be inseminated. Right. Um, so she's going through a rough patch. And I, you know, I hope that she's dealing with it properly. Agreed. Agreed. Um, the other thing we see is um, a little bit more of an insight into Tommy and the PTSD that he's suffering. And in fact... The stuff that yes. we learn about this here all of a sudden makes so much sense because, of course, I forgot that Tommy lost his mom when he was really, really little. And yeah. when I hear that, I'm like, oh, as if watching the woman you love giving birth to your son nearly die wasn't traumatic enough. Right. It's also <laughs> triggered, pushed all these buttons from his previous, from his past with his mom. Absolutely. And I love that they go to like therapy together and Tommy talks on his own and then they talk as a couple because I think that's really useful to help Tommy work through these feelings that he's having and the trauma that he's experienced. But also bringing MJ in kind of helps her understand where he's coming from and kind of how they can talk about it and how they can kind of get right and have real conversations without kind of one not understanding yeah, and I think it's a really interesting dynamic that they have because they're both so full on as people. Yes. Um, yeah. That really they, they're the only people that could deal with each other. So I'm glad that they 100%. met each other. But it is really good to see that it isn't all just bluster. That I feel like this is a real solid relationship that has its problems, but they're really open yeah. to communicating. And, and I respect them both for that. And I think doing it so soon after the birth of Sham shows real kind of insight because I didn't have the fucking wherewithal to sort myself right. out that soon. No. Um, so good on them for that. Absolutely. Um, then we sort of, there's a few things that we sort of happen in between, but before we get onto the big Reza, Mike, D MJ clusterfuck that happens, yeah. um, let's just pause to take a moment from episode 10 to talk about Destiny and her date with Sam. Oh man, my heart really broke for Destiny Me because too. like obviously she's been having this great texting relation like long distance relationship which is always kind of in my experience bigger on the phone and in text versus than face to face. Like you feel like you've grown so much more. And you maybe don't really know the person that you see face to face, which I think is what hit Destiny in this episode. Well, like Straight between the eyes. It burped like, right in her face. <laughs> I, listen, I am not really that, you know, I'm not the one that gets hugely offended when people burp and fart. Like, it right. is what it is. Do you know what I mean? But that was really disgusting. Like, I feel like he was on something. His behavior oh, yeah. was... I would agree. Crazy. It was off 
the chain crazy. Like he was licking her. He was talking gibberish, shaking his face. And they're in like a nice hotel, a nice restaurant. She's done all this stuff to like really give him a special birthday. And he's a total cock. Like off, like massive cock on steroids. And I love that she walks out that night. She's like, no. Me too. No, I don't care how much I fucking paid. You have that suite. I'm out. And she does the right thing. I am interested to hear what the fallout of that with Sa- with Sarah is going to be. Because obviously yeah. I think he's going to run and bitch to Sarah about destiny. And I think that's going to cause a bit of a ruckus. But uh, if she has my full support, if that, if a man behaved like that on a, a, oh, a dinner bye. and, and a, in a hotel that I'd paid for, I'd be like, yes. uh, uh, you're bye. done. Yeah. No, it, it was so wrong. Like either Sarah is going to take up for him or Sarah knows this about her brother and maybe we'll understand. I, I mean, maybe, but... She's going to she do- go after Destiny. Yeah, she doesn't strike me as the understanding type. <laughs> no. um, and then, let's... So now, let's get into the meat and bones of what really happened. Okay. Because the first kind of important thing about the whole Re- Reza MJ fallout happens at Gigi's house at the end of episode nine when she's recovering from her surgery and they all go around except uh, MJ, obviously, right. to catch up and chat on her and all the rest of it. And they yeah, end up yeah. having kind of a big heart-to-heart about the whole thing. Right, and I think it kind of, it's like kind of Rez's come-to-Jesus moment, right? Like, quote-unquote. Like, they all really explain where they're coming from. I think he gets a lot of insight and it's like, oh, shit, like, it all makes sense to me now. One thing that kind of bothered me was that they were all there for that surgery, and, like, MJ had nobody. And, I mean, had kind of the same thing happen to her where she had to get things removed and she can't have kids naturally. And I thought that was really kind of sad. Like I do, I mean, too. I, I was and I glad think- for Gigi that, like, she had all that support. But it made me sad for MJ that she didn't have that from the friend group. Well, and I think this has been a running theme from the outset of this of the season, that there seems to be, for some reason, this huge double standard between whether it's, you know, MJ and Gigi or the way Reza treats one and not the other. Yeah. And it seems so glaringly obvious to everybody from the outside looking in, and I just can't understand why nobody on the inside is going, hang on a minute, you know what? Five weeks ago, this is where MJ was and she had nobody. Like, Gigi, by the way, your anger with MJ is so fucking irrelevant, and you're only doing it to suck up to Reza because, like, now that MJ is not in the picture, he's being nice to you. Yeah. Um, and so for you to sit there and be the one slagging her off, it's not all right. It's not okay. No, no, it's not okay at all. If anything, you should be more sympathetic because the you guys are in similar situations now. Yeah, you, you know? should be empathizing and going, do you know, Gigi, this should be going through your head. God, if I had to go through this without any of my friends around me, Right. Let alone do it and have a baby to look after. Right, right, right. And a husband Maybe. who kind of has to deal with the fallout, the PTSD fallout from what almost happened to you. Right. Maybe, Gigi, just for a second think about somebody other than yourself. But she's never had to and it's not in her no. DNA to do it. No. G- I don't think Gigi knows compassion, to be really no. frank. Like, I, that may sound harsh, but I just don't think she's ever had to. No, I think it's just been... GG focused on GG and that's it. But as you say, sorry to interrupt. Um, No, that's fine. But as you say, it was Reza's come to Jesus moment. And he did acknowledge when Mike pushed him on this whole, you are putting us in a very difficult situation. You have drawn a line in the sand. 
he he Reza breaks down. All his walls come crumbling down, and it's really nice to see a little bit of last season's Reza, which yes. I've, it's been completely absent this season. Like you and I have talked about it. He, I have been his biggest fan since I started watching Shars. Like, nothing could have dampened right. my love for him except the way that he's handled the beginning of this season. And I've really struggled with just, I couldn't find like, anything redeeming you? about yeah. yeah. No, but, I agree. But in episode, end of episode nine, I was like, oh, maybe this is when it happens. Maybe this is when he starts to redeem himself. And he does acknowledge that he needs to apologize, certainly for the things that he said uh, yeah. at the pool at Sarah's pool party. Yeah, um, and how ashamed of himself that he was. I also like that he makes he finally makes the connection to what like Tommy did to like their plants and what he did to Allie are the same. Like yeah. they were coming from the same place and now he gets it. And I think that's a real nice way to kind of start the healing process. I, I agree. And I think you know, later on we have Reza and Mike at the arcade in episode 10 talking about the, the same thing. And I think that's the first time somebody voices it. Mike says, the anger that you're feeling is misplaced. Like, it's it's misdirected. It should be anger towards Ali. This is not anger that you need to be feeling towards MJ. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of this is, and maybe Reza just needed time to get to this point. And I also feel that we're starting to see in a way that I don't think has been made very clear that actually the rumors, the allegations, all of this has actually really affected their marriage. I mean, I think it's Absolutely. quite easy to think that it, they've kind of dealt with it and moved on because we're not seeing any real discord right. between them. But actually, Reza admits that his marriage is actually hanging on by thread. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's where we kind of, we we now see the Reza of last season and the Reza that we've always loved. Like, actually, this is the shit that's going on with me, which is really feeding into this. And I mean, I think we always thought it was there, but it was so hidden. Like, it really knocked me for one watching him at the beginning of the season. So hopefully we see kind of that old Reza back who is open and in touch, you know, with what's going on. Well, and it leads to him reaching out to MJ and saying, you know, do you want to meet? And they do meet. It turns up with a massive Hermes bag, which is always yeah. a great way to start. Yeah, like, even though he he flushed. I guess he had originally <laughs> bought Baby Shams a bracelet and he flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> That's just hilarious. But he burst into tears straight away. And yeah. I think it becomes clear that I really enjoyed this meeting with Reza and MJ because Me I too. think – the key is getting everybody else out the way. Like, I appreciate yes. that they're trying to help and mediate, but actually they just need to get out the way. And both of them really came to it determined to stay calm, to listen, and to speak. And yeah, I, I was, like, delighted to see them nail this conversation. It seemed really mature, really responsible. I think they both took a certain amount of ownership. MJ, perhaps a little yeah. bit less than Reza at this point, but Reza's just now at the point where he almost doesn't care. He just wants his friend back. Um, Absolutely. So that was really, really nice to see. Because we also find out that Reza's going to drop the charges against Tommy because, good. like, he understands and he's going to put all that aside. And I think that's a really good moment. I agree, and I think it's the right it, it's the right thing to do. Um, mm. And so I'm I'm left in this meeting with all this hope and. You know, the yeah. light at the end of the tunnel switched on, and I'm thinking, this is it. They're, the team are back together. He's going to be Uncle Reza to Baby Shams. It's going to be glorious. Yes. Um, and then Mike at Boots and Brews gets all fucking up in their grill. 
Mike, 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 Mike. Like, you finally got what you were asking for. You don't need to fuck it up. It's weird because I feel like there must be a, just like an, a finite <laughs> amount of common sense that they all have to divide between them. And so while MJ and Reza, like, didn't have any... Mike yeah. just sort of had loads. He but was now like the that Dalai MJ, Lama of relationships he in was. all this chat. He was like, cool, calm, Nailing collected. It. This is what's happening. And then he goes batshit. And then while they're all getting on, having a few drinks, MJ and Reza sitting down. Everybody's fine. He's like, you're a fucking liar. And you're like, really? <laughs> having However, said that. Oh, go on. No, you go. Go ahead. I was going to say, however, this is when we see kind of MJ really take ownership that, like, she knew everything that was going on. She should have told Reza. She knew Allie was going to, like, lay it all on him. And we kind of also find out that it wasn't just about naked Jenga. It was about the texts that Adam was sending. And I feel like that kind of got lost in translation in earlier episodes this season, that it was actually the text. So I think the text contained more than what Reza let on on camera. Like, oh, they were just like funny texts. Like they weren't sexually harassing. I feel like they were probably worse than we've all thought they were. Oh, 100%. And I also feel that there has probably been a certain amount of infidelity. Like, I feel that that is now right. being more and more implied. Sorry, I keep knocking everything over. Sorry. That there is, that there has been infidelity that they are trying to work through. But that was what I thought. And I thought, well, Mercer's owned it all. But on her Instagram, she posts a picture of Angry Mike. And for the purposes of YouTube, I can... Uh, Oh, angry, angry Mike, Mike face. And she says, so I just watched the, in capitals, most painful episode to date of the entire series of any season of Shards of Sunset. Wow. This is the look that Mike was giving me for about 45 minutes while repeatedly calling me a liar and shouting to own it. I sincerely begged you from my heart to watch your own words at the flashback episodes at the reunion, Mike, so if you, if you so easily forget the past. I know you greatly fear your master BFF. Reza. Mm -hmm. So the easy solution is to alienate me for two whole months, never check on me and allow me to get the verbal equivalent of waterboarded. After a thousand rounds of going in circles, I hope you got what you needed. In the meantime, I will be in capitals counting down the hours to sit with Bravo Andy and pray that everyone is capable of being truthful and accountable as they need to be. This is one of those episodes that really and unfortunately left way too much out. Oh, shit. I know. So who knows how this is going to go? That reunion is going to be fire. I don't, that reunion is going to be, I mean. Yeah, that'll be a mini-sode you don't want to miss. No, I feel like I'm going to need to carb load, stretch, you know. Yeah. Meditate. We'll, we'll get in fighting shape. So we'll see. Obviously as well, Gigi ends up, <sighs> Gigi. <laughs> I mean, so here's what I will say about Gigi at the end of this episode. Like, I would assume that after having surgery, you're probably a little skittish about how you feel and, oh, shit, if I feel this way, something went wrong. And so she was really freaking out about, like, sutures coming apart and internal bleeding. And it turns out she just ate too much macaroni and cheese, and she's lactose intolerant. But what I want to—I'm sorry, I don't mean no, to cut you off. Um, what I love about this is how easily MJ just kind of— steps in and like take cares of her and signs the forms and like make sure she's okay. 
this is what, again, just really bothers me about Gigi carrying this hard on for MJ. Like, so much so, like, she can't, you know, I don't know. She just keeps no. going on and on. I, I, I get it. And I know why it is, because she wants Reza on her side. She doesn't want to lose Reza to MJ again. Um, but this is the thing that bothers me about all of these grown-ups in this thing, is that right. 90% of the time, MJ is super loyal, very fun, Goes out of her way to look after people. Yeah. All right, 10%. She fucks around. She spreads gossip. She's a bit of a mixer. But everybody but just isn't? fucking forgets that shit. Who the fuck isn't? Yeah. Like, God knows the <laughs> so, trouble I'd get into if there were cameras following me around and right? recording everything I said and did. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I'm a nice person, but I'm pretty sure a bitch about people here and there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody um, does. So I just wish that they could all focus on the good and get yeah. over this bullshit. But obviously I don't think they are over this bullshit and no. we just have to wait and see. It's going to be fireworks, well, it, that's for sure. Even the previews for next episode kind of show things falling apart again. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens. I like that we've kind of got some insight through Instagram from MJ herself and uh, we'll see. Um, we will see. And... Uh, it's good that Shards of Sunset is exciting because Real Housewives oh, of Atlanta God. is continuing to drag on. It's it's absolutely without doubt the longest season of any show. It's as long as it, it Real Housewives of Atlanta feels as long as April as March and April have felt being in absolutely. Quarantine. I mean, we're on episode twenty, which typically the seasons are about twenty two episodes long, including the reunion. We haven't even gotten to the last episode yet. Who knows what the reunion will look like because I think they're still trying to figure out how to do it with quarantine. So I think they're all going to try to do it remotely. So we'll see if they even end up doing it. But well, and, dear and they've, Lord. They've missed three weeks. Like they had a two-week yes. break and then they had another week break. So yeah. all in all, we've been here for 23 weeks, which is pretty much half a fucking year. I'm so yeah. bored of talking about The Real Housewives of Atlanta. 100%. Like the storylines just, they can't carry. Like there's no, they're not that great this season, in my opinion, anyways. I think we have some flashes of some cool shit, but... Dear Lord. And I was really excited about this episode because I had heard an interview with Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen was interviewing um, Michael Rappaport, who is like a massive Housewives watcher. And he does some really great stuff on like social media and different podcasts for that. But Andy had told him that like this season was like one of the best seasons he had ever seen. So I was super hyped up for it. And I am super let down. Because uh, it's yeah. not. It's not the worst. Yeah. The worst. Anyway. Um, However. That aside, we'll plow through it regardless with yeah. minimal enthusiasm. Um, and let us know what you think. Like, are we completely off on the on feeling about the Real Housewives of Atlanta this way? Or are we spot on? Like, you let us know. Yeah, tell us. Um, but, I mean, I did like the kind of dynamic that we saw between Candy and Todd in this week's yes. episode. Talking real stuff. I mean, we can all appreciate how hard it is to do the juggle struggle. And um, and Candy's really, really struggling right now. Yeah, because, I mean, she's away in Chicago filming for The Shy, which I actually have never watched, but by all accounts is supposed to be an amazing show. And then when she comes home, Don Juan is, like, filling her schedule with everything she needs to do in Atlanta, even if she's only home for two days. And Todd has a problem with that. And actually, I think rightly so. I think Candy needs to have a word with Don Juan and kind of adjust priorities because it's all fucking hard man 
I agree. And I think, I'm with you, I think Candy does need to reassess. But I also really appreciated their conversation. And I think Candy took it really well, accepted what Todd was saying, who was bang on right. Like, he was bang on right. And he made a really good point. He's like, I'm here to support you with the acting. Of course I am. I know it's what you've always wanted to do. But he's like, you know, I am not doing what I love to do very much anymore. You know, I'm not producing. I'm not making TV shows. Um, You know, and so when you're home, I really feel like, what's the point if I don't get to see you? Yeah, Um, yeah. And I think Candy really took it on. And I think it really, really, like, hit her that... yeah. You can't fucking do it all. You can't. You definitely have to prioritize. It's a. Pro- I mean, I have that problem 100%, especially, and I mean, I see that problem at least personally now through quarantine, like having the kids at home all the time, still having to work, and just feeling like I'm not doing fucking anything right. So, like, when she was like, I feel like a shit parent, I was like, girlfriend, right there with you. Like, so, yeah. We so all I, feel that way. I think, and we even saw Kim Kardashian on a a video today just like struggling with not she's like can you i just want five (laughs) minutes to do one thing i enjoy for me like and i just thought even kim kardashian it's like we are all it doesn't matter how many houses you've got how much money you've got kids are fucking irritating but i did watch another igtv by glennon doyle and i don't know if you follow her but it was a really like light bulb moment for me and I'd kind of tried to do an IGTV about the same thing but hadn't quite nailed it but Glennon Doyle was like talking about this guilt that we're all feeling about not being able to entertain the kids and work and all the rest of it and she was like two things firstly you've got to stop mum shaming yourself she's like there's a lot of people out there that will do that for you stop feeling guilty (laughs) she said secondly I used to be a preschool teacher and she said I spent hours and hours and hours planning hours of great lessons and activities for these kids to do. And I asked the parents to ask the kids what they did at preschool today to see, you know, what they would come up with. Yeah. She said, and without doubt, every single time, every single kid could only remember the very last thing that we did. Yeah. So she said, so here is what I learned and here is what I want to teach you. She said, parenting is all about having a strong finish. She's like, <laughs> strong start, mediocre middle, Strong finish. So she's like, in quarantine, Excellent. she's like, have breakfast, read a story. Strong start. Give them an iPad, seven hours, mediocre middle. <laughs> After dinner, play a board, go- board game. Strong finish. She's like, that's, that's all you need to do. And then she's like, but don't worry about them not learning the lessons while they're watching the iPad. She's like, throw questions at them. How many episodes of that is, uh, you know, how many episodes of Hey Doug have you been watching? Seven. Maths. Check. Done. Mama, can I have some water? No, go get it yourself. PE. Check. Yeah. It was just brilliant. And it was so yeah. important because we're not here to entertain our kids for 24 hours a day, seven days a no. week. We just need God, no. a fucking strong finish and a mediocre middle. And that's all they fucking care about. Yeah. No, I agree 100% with all that stuff. Something that I'm also finding, and I'm actually now finding the brilliance of having two children. I've been doubting it for a very long time. <laughs> It's been really hard, (laughs) but they're now at the ages that like mine are seven and four. And throughout this quarantine, I have been eighties parenting them where it's like, you just need to go outside, figure out a game, play it, 
you need to be outside for an hour. After that, you can come inside. And I like that my mom lived by that. Like that's was my entire childhood. So I've been trying to incorporate a lot of 80s parenting into my quarantine parenting lifestyle. And actually, it's working really well. Like my kids are finally playing together on their own. Yes, there are screaming matches, yes, that, but I'm not interfering in it anymore. I'm just letting them hash it out. And actually, it's something that I hope that we really carry on post-quarantine is just kind of letting them have some space, just putting them outside when it's nice. I mean, we're getting snow tomorrow, so that won't happen. But just doing that and, like, really pushing them to just be kids and be outside. I mean, my kid has, like, four hours of schoolwork to do every day because they're on Google Classroom. So we do that in the morning. But, like, afternoons, I want them to be feral outside. Well, I think what this quarantine has shown us is that our version of parenting, which I think has been forced upon us, this kind of, you know, you can't, you've got to be on your kids and you've got to fucking do craft with them every day and you can't just leave them to play by themselves, is just not fucking feasible. No, and it's not good for them either. It's not good for them. And in fact, I remember reading an article, we're kind of way off topic now, but I remember reading an article ages ago about how you know, people go back to this like 1950s, 60s mom that was always at home with the kids and doing this, that, and the other. And they were like, on average, that mom would spend, they did this thing. It was like that mom would spend 11 hours a week one-on-one with their kids. And everybody's like, it was a simpler time and mums were mums and all the rest of it. Now, parent mums are working and and spending 17 hours a week one-on-one with their kids and yet we're still telling ourselves that we're not doing as much and actually we're doing way more but the perception that standards have just got higher and fucking higher and so I can bringing it back can see why Candy believes that she can do all this because we've been told that we can and we should but actually you can't and it's just not feasible Yeah, you have to choose. And I think that was the point that Todd was really making. Like, look, we all have to make choices in our lives. Like, his choices have come from kind of a feeling of not being good enough for her because, like, Candy's mom banged on about it for, like, a million seasons about how he was shit and not good enough for her. And he was like, you know, I work really hard to really try to be okay for, you know, to be the man that everybody thinks you should be with. So I don't do the things that I want to do. And I think that was really interesting as well because it's just, like, Candy's like, you know, none of that came from me. Like, you are enough. You're fine. So I I really like their dynamic and how supportive they are of each other, but also very real with each other. But like, but we do need to spend time together. So something needs to change. I'm fully on board and and I have hopes for them. I think that they'll be good. But um, I think Candy... And maybe maybe Candy sat at home in quarantine thinking, making the right. same reassessments that I'm making here, which is like, I'm, sure. I'm not going back to what that. it was. I'm not going back no. to what it was before. I'm making choices to not do certain shit. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's what's going on there too. Um, the other thing we saw was um, Kenya estate and managing her estate for Brooklyn in light of obviously her separation and subsequent divorce from Mark. Right. Um, which I thought was really interesting because, obviously, if, if for my money, they're both yeah. wealthy, I would assume that it's like, once you've got like child maintenance issues out of the way, if she's looking after Brooklyn most of the time, they just walk away with what they came in with, right? I think in an ideal world, in an amicable divorces, that's the way it works. Like, I have money, you have money, we're fine, like, let's just focus on the kids. But I feel like this is kind of like a Teresa and Joe Judai situation where if 
if Kenya makes more money than he does, he can actually ask for support Crazy. in court. Even if and she's the one have, who has the kid more. Yeah, like it's al- like it's alimony, it's spousal support. Like he could, in oh. fact, argue that he's n- u- now used to a certain level of lifestyle to where she needs to pay him. And so I think like her financial advisor is giving her the advice of like you need to put everything in the trust because in America, if everything's in a trust, it can't be touched by lawsuits. So most people, I mean, we do that and we have not near the amount of money. We've got our all of our assets in a trust for our kids in case we pass away. It goes directly to our kids and nobody else can touch it. So I think that's what she's setting up and it's very smart for her to do that now. Because I be- don't, picture their divorce being amicable no I mean they've never done anything amicably in their life but it is going to be interesting to see it play out and I'm gonna I'm interested to see how they manage um access with him living in New York and her in Atlanta and what the expectations are um it it, it's a difficult situation of course there's no prenup so I I think you're right it's not going to be amicable that's the problem um but I'm still struggling to feel sorry for her I know. I think it's really hard to be sympathetic to Kenya. She's just not nice. Like she's that's just, just the boat. Like that's the bare shit about it. Like it is. She's just not nice. So it's hard. But um, I don't know. It's interesting because again, tying to a different show, like Chloe and Tristan, do do kind of have the same issue. Like he's always in Cleveland, but he comes to LA quite often. So the way Chloe's kind of dealt with it is just opened her house to him and like, if you're in town, you can come visit her anytime you want. And I suspect that'll be the same kind of thing that Kenya comes up with. Like when Mark comes to Atlanta, you can see her. Because these are babies. It's not like she can put the baby on the plane. Well, funny you say that though, because Chloe was talking about the fact that Tristan's now going back for the season. So right. he won't be in LA. And she's like, well, now what do I do? Because I, I like, yeah. am I flying out to Cleveland with her all the time to see him? Or am I putting her on a plane with a gnat? Like, yeah, very complicated. I kind of, in my personal opinion, I feel like the people who do not have the kid all the time should take the onus of flying to where their other is at to see their kids. I kind of That's agree. my personal two cents. I agree too. And they've all got private planes, so we can fly back for 24 hours. It's not playing every day. Um, exactly. But back to Real Housewives of Atlanta. Let's finish on a really uplifting moment because Portia, who has been the queen of this season yes. from the beginning, hosts such an amazing event. Yes, so she's now a March of Dimes ambassador, which is all about healthy babies, healthy moms. And she's really kind of bringing to light, you know, the struggles of having babies, the struggles of healthcare. And I loved this lunch because we saw Marlo really open up about her struggles. We saw Tanya open up about her struggles and fertility. And I just thought it was a really nice, like it was a really nice event. Everybody was kind of being there for each other. Nobody was being an asshole. Well, Kenya kind of was about Shemaya, but yeah. um, anyways, uh, I loved it. I think Portia is a queen. I do too. And it comes back to your previous point to do with Gigi about being open and honest. Like not, I didn't know about any of those. I mean, I knew no. about Portia, but I didn't know about any of those women who'd gone through the things that they'd been through. So the fact that that hadn't been spoken about is something that I know it's not easy and it is a very personal thing, but I do think it's something that people will really benefit from hearing. But also that aside, the sad fact is that Black women and women of color in general are five times more likely to die in childbirth. And it's having ridiculous. there was a report made in the UK called the Embrace Report, and it was down to a number of things, or it was uh, not down, it was, wasn't it was right. a, attributed to a number of possible reasons. First, being sort of out and out racism, 
yeah. the most common. Second being the perception that black women are just a don't feel pain in the same way that they are. Seems they have a so much ridiculous. higher pain threshold. So Shamia talk like responds that when she's like, "I yeah. had my epidural and I could feel everything, but they didn't. They didn't believe Listen. me." Um, and you know, and it's really, it's really shocking to hear that. And yet it shouldn't be because I shouldn't be that ignorant, but it right. fucking is disgusting. It's fucking that that's disappointing. The case. It's, it's really disappointing. fucking disappointing. It's just yeah. like, I, I think we as a people can do fucking better. And I don't feel like that any of those reasons are fucking valid at all. They're all ridiculous. And we should all be having healthy babies and healthy mommies. And I think that's really important. I was really blown away by Marlo's openness about yeah. like her thoughts and feelings about babies. It's kind of the most human I've seen her in a long time. And I attribute that to like having her nephews with her and her really kind of reassessing her life. Me too. And I, and I'm, you know, Portia doing this is just another reason why she is super, super valuable to the season, yes. to the, to the franchise. Um, but also, it's just something that we should all be talking. We should not yeah. be afraid to say and know that black women and women of color are five times more likely to die. Like, that is fucking disgusting and everybody should know about it. Yep. Um, so if that's, if that's what this episode is about, for me, in fact, if that's the only reason for this whole fucking season <laughs> to exist, then I'm here for that. All right, we can be here for it for that. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, hopefully we can all start doing a bit of a better job. Shall we uh, go to Miami? Virtually, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> I don't really want to. I'm even less willing to go back to it next week. I know. So this I mean, brings a real us to family karma. Um, and those of you who listen to us regularly, uh, Kat and I had a trip to go to Key West uh, that comes up in like eight days is when we would have been leaving. That's obviously been canceled. And yeah, so we're still dealing with our personal feelings about that. It's a hard one, but... In addition to this being in Miami, the cast is also going to Key West at the end of the episode. I don't know so if next I can week may be particularly hard because we'll have to talk about it while we should have been there, but we'll put our big girl pants on and I mean, you might put your big girl pants on. I'm going to sit here and fucking sulk like a brat. I'm like, so I angry. Have to talk to somebody. I'm so angry. Um, I know. I'm sure they'll have a great time. Uh, anyway, before we get to the Key West yes. trauma of next week, um, we open up with Brian and his mama boxing. Love it. I love kind of the vulnerable Brian that we see in the opening of this episode with his mom. Like, first off, I mean, again, if you listen to us, we're in love with his mom. Like, she has the most amazing laugh in the world. She's we just do. incredible. Um, but even more so, because I think this is where we kind of learn a little bit more about Brian and why he's been partying and been so crazy. And it was like the death of two of his like best friends in the world who made him feel accepted in a pretty white environment. Um, and they passed away, I think, due to like a car accident or car whatever. Crash, and so yeah. he just partied it away. And now he's kind of coming back to the old Brian. Like, I don't know. It was just super sad. It was super sad. It was super lovely to give him a little bit of depth as well. Yeah. Um, and it still plays into my belief that him and Monica will eventually get together because I do believe that they are the right. I do believe that it will happen. And I think having seen this depth, I see it more. I think before right. when I just saw him as kind of a reformed party boy, I was like, well, maybe he's just not enough for her. But actually yeah. I think 
maybe he is. So my hope for, for the Aladdin and Jasmine of um, the Indian community in Miami is still alive it's and well. Burning The fire is burning strong. We're the really going to, you know, hope that happens. burning strong. Um, we also see a little bit more of a development between the relationship of Vishal and Anisha. Yeah, so we see kind of Friendsgiving kind of taking oh, yeah. place. Bali's hosting Friendsgiving, which I could identify with with our fakesgiving in the that we used to throw in the UK. Um, so at this party, we see Vishal kind of take a very reluctant Anisha away to go have a chat about it. Her Vishal. face was fucking gold when he tried to pull her away. So much so that I had to pause my laptop, take it into my closet where it was dark, <laughs> and I took a picture of it for our stories because I couldn't find it anywhere and it was golden and we had to have it. But, dude, like, Vishal. He's such a social... I was going to use a really inappropriate word then. I'm not going to because I'll end up in trouble. But he's such a social fucking twat. And and he just doesn't get it. He's like almost a little bit autistic in his relationships. Like it's it's really uncomfortable. And I don't actually know why Anisha's that fucking bothered that they're not friends anymore. Well, I kind of feel like she's not that bothered by it. Like... one thing that really stood out to me in their like whole chat was like he kept trying to say that they had both been stupid. And I love that she was like, I wasn't stupid. You did this. Like you need to apologize for it. Yeah. And I think at the end, and I, I didn't make notes on it, they're kind of all right. But I mean, they're moving on, but I don't think they're okay. Like I don't think it'll ever be the same friendship as it was. And I don't think that's Anisha's fault. I think it's Vishal's because like he still hasn't, you know, admitted he's doing anything wrong. He's gaslighting her about the entire thing that like, it's all in her head and yeah. like nothing changed. And she was like, we haven't fucking spoken. Things yeah, have you, changed. I, I spoke to you about something and then you never called me. Like, right. this is not <laughs> up for debate. No, That is the simple fact. Um, yeah. I, he's just a, like a buffoon. He's like inept and odd and, just not yeah. the guy that I'm really enjoying watching. Anisha, I'm really enjoying watching. Anisha's grandparents gave me <gasps> nothing but joy of, to the max. They like, are the most lovely grandparents in the whole wide world. They're, I love, they're so gorgeous. I love her grandmother going, well, I think that's bullshit. I love her <laughs> grandfather saying, I want, I, I'm going to die soon if you don't get a husband. Like, I want to see you down the aisle. If you don't do it quickly, I'll be dead. Like, right. I love that they take their U.S. loo roll to India with them. I mean, because everything it, about what this couple. Say? The grandma said, like, because Indian toilet paper feels like fucking sandpaper. I know. She's just, so, they're queens. And I, I'm here love for it. way more of them. Um, yeah, 100%. But going quickly back to Friendsgiving, obviously we had Brian and the Monica kind of blow out there. And I'm oh, kind of on Monica's side here. A hundred percent. I understand what Brian was trying to do. He didn't achieve that. Like he just wanted people to stop talking about it. And I, I get that, but he totally fucked it up. And knowing how uncomfortable Monica is about talking about personal things in groups, like it was just uncalled for. She totally played it right. Like, fuck this, I'm out. And then he was going to go with her. And then she was like, never mind, I'll stay. And Bali will just drive me home. And then like they both ended up leaving together because he apologized for being a social yeah, idiot. They figured but, it out. Um, but he, she was right. Like he just needed to say, guys, enough. We're not talking yeah. about it. It's between Monica and I. That's right. all he needed to say. 
You didn't need to spill the emotional guts of their relationship all over the Frank's, no. Frank, Friendsgiving like, table. Here yeah. it all is, right over the pumpkin pie. And Monica's just sat there with this look of horror, like slowly going over. Stop talking. Stop wrong? saying the words. Stop. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've all been in that situation before where you're, like, murdering somebody with your eyeballs, like, just shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I remember a few occasions when you've looked at me like that, for sure. There was a hen one party once. party. I know, I know. we're, we're talking page. about the same thing. It's fine, let's yeah. not talk about this publicly. <laughs> Moving on! Uh, I think we can move on, on, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, they're headed to Key West. Anisha has some um, major phobias about hotel rooms and cleanliness, but her FOMO is beating out her phobia and she's going to Key West. She turns up to Key West grabbing that brown paper bag like it is a life ring in stormy seas. I'm thinking this bitch doesn't even want to go to Key West. I want to no. go to Key West. She doesn't right? deserve to go to Key West. No, no. I don't think it's going to be the most fun trip. I think some shit's going to go down. I really can't. I mean, I'm here to see it. Um, yeah. I think but, yeah. Brian's going to start flirting with that, with Sean. Is it Sean's Char, uh, cousin? Is it Sean? Yeah, Sean's cousin. I didn't write her name down, but it is Sean's cousin. Yeah, I that'll be interesting I actually think I did write her name down. Nihali, I think. Oh. Nihali. Um, yes, I think that's going to cause, I think Brian's going to try and tap that. Um, but I'm just going to try and watch the episode without, you know. yeah. Why don't we, maybe we can try to like drink and watch it together and then we can like almost like we're on holiday. Let's do that. Maybe we should do next week's episode in like our swimwear and pretend that we're actually at (laughs) Kiwa. I'll wear a beach cover up as we are still filming this and I'm not. Yeah, but it's only a top half. It's only a top bit. That's true. That's true. Top bit. Maybe we will. We'll be in swimsuits pretending we're in Key West next week. With cocktails with little umbrellas. There you go. There we go. It'll almost be exactly the same. Um, yeah. Anyway, from Miami to uh, Greece, below Greece? deck sailing, where yeah. Jenna, we, we open up with Jenna dragging Madison into a conversation with Captain Glenn about whether she's being doing a good job or not. I have a problem with this, Jenna. I feel like there's certain levels that you go through before you take it to the captain. And frankly, she yeah. could have sat Madison down herself, one-on-one in an official capacity and said, I'm concerned. Right. Um, but I think this is classic Jenna. She just likes to fucking bully people. I think you're right. I also think if Jenna had sat down with Madison and just been like, look, your skill level is fucking incredible, but we need to work on the attitude and you do need to get some sleep because I think it's affecting your work. Like, had they had that sit-down chat and she said those things, it probably would have been fine because Madison seems fucking cool. Like, that you could say that to her and she'd be fucking fine. So I agree with you. I feel like jumping to the captain chat was premature. And I think we can say that about Jenna right from the beginning of the season. If she'd only just said this, then things would be better. Like, if Jenna just said everything differently, things would be better. Um, But saying that, I quite liked her throughout this episode. Like, I liked her dancing. I thought she was fun. I think we kind of see fun Jenna being chill and in love and whatever. And they are in love and they bone. They bone. Finally. Yeah, we could all use some more boning in our lives. We could all use some more boning. Although, also sleep is really good. Um, But yeah, so they finally bone. Adam talks about actually catching real feelings for her. I think he's looking at this as maybe one of the real real things. Um, 
And they are all over each other on that day off. Oh, they really are. Like, it's like couple stew in that pool that nobody else should be swimming in. I loved this day off, mainly because Byron. I I am massively in love with Byron. I think he's so much fun. I think he's a great partner to his wife because he doesn't do anything super fucking embarrassing. I think he's lived the yachting life so he can talk about it. Like, when he goes off on the alliterative places where Jenna and Adam could have fucked on a boat because it's possible, I made the list. Can I read it out loud? Oh, yeah, do it. Boned in the bilge, slippery in the shower, laid in the lazarette, freaky <laughs> in the forepeak, and shafted up the mast. Like, he was just on fire. Like, I love it. I love Dirty Byron. <laughs> he is. I love Dirty Byron, too. He's brilliant. The, the guy who I really struggled with this episode, I mean, more and more I feel like it has been building up, but Parker is really revealing himself to be a fucking prick. Yeah. And we also w- see that he's going to fly his ex-girlfriend out to Corfu. And we also see him be such a massive pussy about Madison and, like, oh. all of this bullshit. And He's not ready for relationships. Uh, like, oh. dude, you're texting your ex. Like, can you just be fucking real about it? Like, come on. Just stop being a dick. And, like, there was a lot of things that we found out about him. He's le- Adam called it when he read out that fucking letter from his mom, which yeah. was just cliche. It was like a slogan. It was like a collection of slogan sweatshirts. Just, it was like a quote book. It was Just rid- send him a quote book. It was ridiculous. But she, yeah. but Adam calls it, he's like, reading that letter from his mom explains everything about why Parker is Parker. Yeah, 100%. It's um, where I will actually agree with Adam on something. I also, I'm going to call it Parker's, like, not the sharpest tool in the box. Like, the guy doesn't really have two brain cells to rub together. No. Um, and... He's starting to irritate me. I'm starting to wonder if he's the one that goes. I know somebody's going to go. Yeah, someone's going to go. We'll see who it is. We'll see who it is. Um, Amidst all the drunken debauchery, um, Georgia also finds herself in a potentially compromising position. Yeah, we see a quite flirtatious Ciara uh, on this day off who is kind of cut loose and having fun, which is a Ciara I can get on board with. Like, I think she kind of needs to be that way all the time. Yeah, she Um, should be drunk all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would improve things greatly. A hundred percent. Probably not um, so safe, but yeah. And was it actually, was it a threesome? Like, was it there, there were like, on the table? No, I think there were a lot of drunken references to threesomes. So then I think Georgia was like, well, all right. Like, I could get on board with this because she does have feelings for Paget. Like, she said that. Like, I have feelings for him, which I don't see, but I don't understand that's either. Fine. Um, um, but... I did think, I think think Sierra's playing a very smart game here. She's like, okay, so my boyfriend really fancies Georgia. So what I'm going to do is flirt with Georgia, snogger, probably get off in the shower with her a bit, make him really, really jealous, put a threesome on the table, and then we'll all fall asleep. And I was like, actually, Sierra, that's very, very clever. And maybe if you can't (laughs) beat them, join them is the way to go. Maybe it is. Maybe Sierra's onto something quite clever. She is. Anyway, we'll see. Um, obviously, it didn't happen. Georgia was left out in no. the cold. Uh, and they just went to sleep. Not yeah. even sexy time between Sierra and Parker, no, from just what we cud- saw anyways. Just a cuddle. Just a cuddle. Yep. Um, shall we move on, Vanderpump? 
One thing I do want to touch on before we leave this episode is Adam's reaction. So we find out that Georgia and Jenna have slept with the same person. And Adam fucking crumbles. I know. He's so damaged. not even a big deal. It's such not a big deal. Like, uh, Jenna saw him for, dated him for two months. Well, I think we're talking like at least a year ago. We're not talking yeah. last week. Um, no. And Adam goes unnecessarily fucking postal about it. He calls it like disgusting. He can't believe he's hearing this. Everything's fucking ruined. And it's just like, dude, if, if your ego is that fucking fragile, I'm really shocked you're a chef, to be honest. I just but, didn't understand it. I wonder if there no. was... I, 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 it just seemed completely incongruous to me, but we'll see. And I think yeah, we've always known Adam's damage. We've always yeah. known he's not great with the connections and the vulnerability and the talking shit. So right. maybe they figure out. Jenna actually didn't seem that bothered about him losing his shit, to be fair. She no. Sort of let him go. I don't it. understand why, but maybe we'll see more of the fallout next week. Now we maybe can move we on to Vanderpump Rules. Perfect. Good. And we pick up a little bit on the Schwartz and Katie uh Really just awful, awful, awful interaction that they have at, yeah. uh, at Jax's house. To where Tom had a shame hangover, which who hasn't, let's be frank. <laughs> We've all but been he doesn't there. ever really, apo- I mean, he apologizes about talking to her that way, but he says he did feel that way. Yeah. Well, and it's, he doubles down on it at the skate park with Bo, where he's like, yeah. I was absolutely disgusted by her. And I was like, okay, it's one thing, you don't always have to agree with your wife, but say to right. Bo, I just really disagreed with how she handled it. Done. To still be saying, yeah. she disgusts me. The Her language is really important. Social justice warrior. Like, yeah, the language damn. is really important. And I genuinely, genuinely think. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Tom's a nice guy. Katie's kind of a bitch, and I think he is losing respect for her. I don't think he likes her that much anymore, and I I don't have the highest of hopes for this marriage. It'll be interesting. I mean, you know, technically they're not legally married, so, you know, we'll see because they're talking about going to Vegas and making it legal, but we'll see if it even goes that far. Not that Kristen knows anything about that, of course. No. Lisa puts her her Louboutins in it when she (laughs) walks up at lunch and drops the Vegas bomb. And Stassi and Katie look at her like that, like that kind of... I'm going to murder you with my eyeballs. Don't say Vegas. Um, I feel a little bit... Like, it's hard to get any kind of empathy for Kristen out of me, I'm telling you. But I do feel a little bit for her on this. I think Katie... She could have had a word. Well, and I think she could have just invited her. Or just tell her, like, you know what? I don't feel like we're in the right place. This is just to make it legal. Like, you were at the real thing, but we're not at the place for you to come. So I'm doing this thing. I'm not going to invite you. Like, be fucking real about your feelings. Be upfront. Because obviously she's going to hear from somebody. The entire wait staff of WeHo is going to this thing. (laughs) Like, everybody's going to hear her. (laughs) Yeah, I do feel, I mean, I I think that it does, I think it makes sense to not be invited, but I do think the way it's been handled is really unkind. And I think just because you're not on board with somebody doesn't mean that you have to be unkind to them. So for me, it's another mark against Katie's name. I'm struggling to find things that I like about her. That's fair enough. Um, And of course we have... uh, Katie and Tom going off to get married, and we have Stasi, just desperate, 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 oh, desperate for that. Trying engagement. to control it. But little does she know, Bo has been planning this thing 
for like six months to the fact that he's got rings. He's got a plan. Like, I love that Bo is trying to make it special despite fucking Stassi's controlling presence in their lives. And I think he's playing it exactly the way he needs to. And I think there's a lot of truth to what he's saying too. Like, you need to back off. I will do this in my own time. Stop. Yeah. And I think she really needs to listen to him. She really does. And it's it's hard because I've been there. I've been there four years going out with somebody, knowing we were going to get married, knowing that, you know, I mean, Jimmy's never done anything off his own back. Like, Jimmy just waits for everybody else to make the decisions. He's a musician. He waits for a tour manager to tell him when right. to go. That's just how we operate. So I was like, if I don't try and control this, it's never going to happen. I can really empathize with Stasi, yeah. but I also know that it doesn't do any good. Like, they'll do it when no. they fucking want to do it. And it'll be um, amazing. Like, knowing it will Bo, be. It's, I cannot wait to see this episode. I will be sobbing and Me so too. excited for her because he's just such a lovely human being. He really, and what a ring. Oh, oh. like antique Tiffany. Oh, three to choose from. Yep, family That's rings. That's easy. Choose the biggest. Um, yeah. <laughs> Done. I'm excited about that. Then on the other side of the kind of social circle at Sir, we've got Dana flipping from Max to Brett. Yes. With Sheena being this like choice. little pin where the pinball, the pinball's just like pinging off it all the time. It's a, I don't buy Dana and Brett. You know what? I mean, who knows? Like, We'll obviously see. They, they share a kiss on her birthday. Sheena gets all upset. What I don't understand about Sheena is Brett has literally said to her face numerous times, we are just friends. It is not going to happen. And every time she's like, we'll see. It's like, no. <laughs> no. You won't see. He's telling you. <laughs> Stop He's it. Been really clear. <laughs> he can't be more clear other than like, I will never put my penis in you. Maybe I think Sheena's really damaged. I think she's really suffering from a massive lack of self-esteem after the whole marriage with Shay broke down. Yeah. I think this is still something she's not dealt with properly. I think her <sighs> neediness is springing from something. I don't know where it's coming from, but all of this shit needs to be dealt with because what she really, really wants, she's never going to get if she's not in a better emotional place herself. She wants the the fairy tale. The world, yeah. And she's just right now too broken to get it. Um, well, and Lala points that out to her in that conversation where she's like, you do this all the time. Oh, yeah. he's my best friend. And then you sleep with him and it's shit. And then you don't know why. It's just like, you don't own your feelings about these people. You call them your best friends. You're actually interested in them. Just own up to it. And I mean, I know Sheena's freezing her eggs. So part of me wonders if a lot of this emotional craziness is paired with the damage, but also maybe fueled by the egg freezing and the hormones and whatever. But yeah, there's a lot of tears. There's a yeah. lot of tears, and that's there's definitely she's going through a lot, and I can see it. She's 34. Everybody else is hooking up. Everybody's married yeah. or having babies or whatever. Not that anybody's having babies, but you know that's right. the direction they're going. And I, I can see it, like being 34 and single and wondering if it's yeah. ever going to happen. I feel for her, but I think she needs to stop looking for external validation in the shape of these like Dudes. vacuous, good-looking guys and. Yeah actually do some proper fucking work on herself. Absolutely. I'd probably feel more, I'd probably feel worse for her if she wasn't so fucking smug when she got married to everybody. I know, there was that too. She was painfully smug about all that shit. It's all happening. I mean, there is that. And I think that's, 
you know, I think that's a real fall from grace for her. And I just want her to learn from it. But whereas I still feel like she's putting this veneer of perfection over everything when actually she's really fucking miserable. Um, And I think there's loads of people who'd be willing to be there for and help her out if she just was prepared to be a bit vulnerable and real. Um, She's got to read some Brene Brown. That'll sort her out. But we do see Dana and Brett snog at the end. I just can't bear him. He freaks me out. I do not like the way that he's all pervy over Lisa. It's almost like he then goes and snogs Dana because Lisa got him all hot under the collar. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Oh, it's like Lisa fluffed him (laughs) and then sent him off to Dana. (laughs) Oh, gross. I didn't like it at all because he's like, oh, it's just fun. I'm like, no, it's not. You would totally bang Lisa if she gave you the knock and you'd creep in. You got wood. Fuck off. Yeah, Yeah. I don't like him at all. Um, anyway, uh, that's Vanderpump and on to keeping up with the Kardashians. Well, we're learning all about Chris and her mega libido. She's I, getting it on all over the place. If I have to wait till I'm 60, whatever it is, to get that libido, then God help me. I mean, I don't think yeah. I've ever have a, had a libido like she's got right now. I did in my 20s. I did like early 20s. Maybe. I, mean, I totally did. a long did. time ago now. I can't really remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Way too long. Um, but she is off the scale. And and she's like, oh, it's all right. I'm just like, I get it. Talk about it with your mates. But I get that Chloe and yeah, Kendall are going to feel totally a little bit uncomfortable. Out. Like, I mean, I get yeah. that. She is their mom. I don't want to hear about my mom having sex. No, never, never. No. Um, but um, I love that they're like keeping it fresh, like even meeting up in hotel rooms and she's wearing wigs and costuming to the point that people are calling Chloe see, and Malika to go bust I it. I mean, I think was, that was all a bit bullshit. It was bullshit, all a big but, set up bullshit. Yeah. But seeing Chris dressed up like that was hilarious. Like those two. I love her. She literally, like she has no shame. Chris I and like Lisa her. Vanderpump are in yeah. the same bubble of love for me. I love yeah. them both. Um, but I love that they're keeping it real. I love that she's getting what she needs and Corey is giving it to her. Good on her. Never will I get yes. in the way of a woman and her orgasms. Never, never, never will we ever. Talking of a woman and orgasms, Chloe is not having, not having any them. of those. Point blank refusing to date, I think. I have mixed feelings about this. Okay. So first of all, I'm thinking she's been burned. Like, she's really yeah. been burned twice badly. Um, she's pulled herself together, and I think that a lot of this rejection of dating is probably coming from a place of fear and her, and maybe now is the time for her to get over it. But then when she's talking to Malika at the end and she's like, I just want to heal and look after myself, I'm thinking, actually, yeah. maybe she's just the really fucking sensible one. I think she's doing it the right way. I think she is just literally taking time to, like, be okay. I mean, True's not even two years old yet. Like, slow your roll, people. Like, I just need a minute. And I think that's fine. And there must be a slight lack of confidence in her decision-making as well, right? You know, you've chosen Lamar. You've chosen... Not Lamar. Was it Lamar? Yeah, originally. Yeah. Yeah. You've chosen Lamar. You've chosen Tristan. Both of them have been bad choices. You're surrounded by... You know, Chris and Corey, Kim and Kanye. Yeah. Um, And it must be a little bit like, I don't know if I'm ready to make another choice yet because my choice, my decision making previously has not been great. I need to make sure I'm in the right place. So I really actually respected her despite the pressure 
that everybody totally. puts her under, like Jesus. Dick's Sporting Goods. Who knew that they were taking <laughs> that literally? Oh my gosh, MJ and Chris running around trying to find her dudes was the funniest thing. Like MJ cracking jokes that she needs to find a plumber. I know. And Chris going, yeah, uh-huh, you're so funny. Like there's no way Chris Jenner is going to let any of her kids marry a fucking plumber. No. Oh, so I took it more as a joke, like she needed someone to clean her pipes. I thought that's what I meant. Oh. But maybe What not. did she say before? I don't know. She said, I just took it as her going, yeah, plumber. you just need, I just take it as you just need a normal guy. <laughs> oh, I no, I took wrong. it, I, t- I took the plumber as a joke. Who knows? Who knows Who what knows? is right? Um, but apparently, if you want to meet eligible dudes, the golf course is the place to go. Yeah, man, those if Chloe doesn't want those guys, I'll take them. They were really yeah. hot. I love golf, too. I mean, I think um, you should take dating tips from Kris Jenner. I mean, she knows what she's talking about. Well, I think we have seen the evidence. She's pretty yeah. good at this. Um the other thing, of course, is Chloe's decision making over whether to freeze her eggs or not. I think in the end, she comes down at the right. Like, what are the downsides? Why not? Right? Yeah, you have nice, like, healthy eggs that you can use whenever you want. I mean, if I was a different age in a different scenario, I would have totally frozen my eggs early on and then just never worried about it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think if you can, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I do hope that she finds love. Me too. I think she's an amazing person. I think she will. I don't I don't think anybody needs to set her up with dudes from Dick Sporting Goods. Like Chloe yeah. has it going on. Like she's got a good head on her shoulders. She's sweet. She's loving. She will ultimately be fine. Um Yeah. We also see Scott in this episode kind of picking up the filming slack for Courtney. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell the producers You can tell the producers <laughs> on the phone going, Fuck, Scott, listen, bit of a change of plan. Courtney's ducking out, so we're going to need you to fill some shit. He's like, I've got literally nothing going on. <laughs> well, it's all right. Don't worry. We're going to we're going to talk to Josh. We're going to get you to go and right. do some talk. It'll be fine. He's like, uh huh. Okay, fine. And bless him. He, you know, <laughs> I do I love, love Scott. Scott. I've always loved. He just him. rolls with it. He's just, just like, fine, whatever. Let's make. When it he's happen. not drinking, he's great. He's a hundred percent great. I think sober Scott is the way to go. I agree. Shall um, we move to New York? Let's do it. Where we where we have a cat amongst the pigeons. Leah is really shaking things up, and I really love that they've put somebody different into this. Yeah. I think that the ladies from New York were very much all so similar that we didn't really get to see the real them. But I think with Leah in there, we're starting to see yeah. a really different side to these ladies. Totally. Like, their craziness about tattoos, which is Ugh. weird. Um, I think Leah's hundred percent right. Like everybody majorly has tattoos. You need to get over it. And the one that I'm talking about is the one I'm getting removed anyway. So calm the fuck down. Well, this is the thing that I, she's like, she's already talking about the one that she's getting removed because she yeah. knows it's really trashy. Right. Like I'm taking this like personally, because obviously we both have tattoos. Right. Um, so I'm just kind of surprised by the prejudice and the narrow-mindedness. Yeah. Not so much of Sonia, because I think she's kind of, there's a lot of fart and no poo with her. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Just I, think, I think Sonia's just having a good time with it. But the, but the other lady's kind of narrow-minded approach to shit is yeah. really surprising me, and I don't think we've ever seen it before because we've never had somebody like Leah. Right, right. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I, I love that Leah's in the mix. I think she's highlighting a lot of issues within the group that we didn't know were issues. And I mean, I think previously we've seen Tinsley kind of be the youngest one. And so a lot of shit gets kind of thrown at her. 
Leah and Tinsley are around the same age, and now we're kind of seeing the same reaction to Leah. So it's almost like this old school crew needs to kind of face new new times. Well, the cool thing as well minds. is that I think Leah's obviously been in recovery for a very, very long time. So she's done so much work on herself. So there's very yeah. little so far kind of um, volatility. I think she's probably... Being in recovery, I assume, necessarily means that you work on kind of impulsive decisions. Is she in recovery or is she just not drinking now? Well, I think that she had a problem with drugs drugs and drink and is now now in recovery. I don't know if she's necessarily in recovery, though. I don't remember that being, like, spoken about. Oh, really? I think that she doesn't drink because she used to have a problem. Yeah, I feel like she was just self-aware where she's like, I have a lot of issues when I drink, so I'm choosing not to drink now. I feel like that's the way it was more explained versus Interesting. Like, meetings and stuff like that. But well, anyways, I think, I think either matters. way, it's yeah. meant that she's had to work on the kind of impulsive totally. nature of, of herself. And so I don't think we're going to see necessarily Aaliyah that's going in for like the shouting and the screaming as much as the very like defined, I am going to stand up for myself and you're yeah. not. You know, I'm not taking any of this bullshit. Um, Based on previews for the rest of the season, that doesn't hold out. I mean, how could it really? Like, with the way this is opening up. I think we see her unravel a little bit towards the end, but who the fuck wouldn't? Right. But Dorinda, talking of unraveling, just seems to be, like, she's not, she doesn't seem to be herself this season. No. She is unkind, bitchy. She doesn't have any of that quick wit that I always loved about her. I don't know. I mean... I don't know what's going on with her. Like, she talks about being really stressed out about, like, having to fix her home in the Berkshires and she can't it's hard rely to be on sympathetic John, like, about your massive it, it's second like, mansion. You need to check your, yeah, check your privilege. Like, you're not even living there while you're having it to be, like, be fixed. And it's just money, which you have a lot of. So, like, just fix Suck your fucking up. house. Like, I don't know why that excuses her fucking laying into Tinsley about crazy shit and no. her going after Leah, like, it's just unkind. I'm trying to think how old she is, but I imagine it's not menopause now, right? She would have done that. I think she's past menopause. Well, yeah, I, I mean, menopause have... can last a long time. It depends maybe, on who you are. Maybe but... there's some hormonal shit going. But, but I only say that because she seems so markedly different from the Dorinda yeah, that we've seen before. Yeah, she's very hostile. Really hostile. Yeah. So I don't know if there's something going on, but... Um, but we'll see. And she talks about how she has to manage everything and John doesn't, you know, has yeah. never had any. But this is not new. Like, she's been in that no. situation for a long time, so I don't know why this is yeah. now a thing. We'll see. And then the other thing that I thought was hilarious was Luann showing her true bratish colors again. I mean, I just can't bear oh. I'm really sorry. I just can't. Jesus. Like, Ramona makes, like, a big deal about, like, her room being nice and whatnot. And, like, the minute, de- like, Luann sees it's in the basement. She just fucking shuts down and turns bratty. And previews for next season or next episode is that she leaves. Oh, I just can't bear it. There's nothing likable. Like Ramona is a spoiled, entitled bitch, but there is something really likable about her. Like she's mental. There's a charm. (laughs) She's insane, but there's like real charisma or you just want to see what she's going to do next. But Luann is just so self and fucking absorbed and entitled. And of Everybody, she should be the one that really learned the lesson of humility, and yet, yeah, nothing. No, I mean, we see her be real cool with Leah, like they bond over both assaulting a police officer and ending up in jail. And like, I think we see Luann being fine with that, but then, like, all of a sudden, like, I knew the minute she started complaining about that room, I was like, well, there's the end of like me liking Luann in this season because, like, yeah. it's just fucking entitled bullshit. 
It is. And it's ridiculous. I have the worst room in a massive house in the Hamptons. Yeah. Fuck off. And then Dorinda get and then Dorinda getting uh, Ramona because she knows loads of people in the restaurant. You know what? I actually agree with Dorinda at that. Like she she wasn't being like present with the group. And I thought that's what Dorinda's like point was. Like, we're all here to have a meal. Can you just sit with us? Don't take a phone call and like try to play up your social life at the table. That's the way I took it. So I kind of agreed with Dorinda on that one. Like, I feel like if you're at a table with your friends, like be at a table with your friends. I I mean, I do get that. I sort of think if the phone, like if we were having lunch and the phone rang and it was like, I'd be like, do you mind? Like, I'll just be too, I might pick up the phone and go, listen, I'm at lunch. Can I speak to you? Can I call you back? I just feel like if it had been anybody else calling Ramona out on it, it might have come yeah. from a slightly... But it just felt like Maybe. another thing for Dorinda to, like, be laying into somebody for. Yeah, but see, I feel like Ramona didn't do, like, oh, I'm out with people, let me call you back. Like, oh, where are you? Oh, I'm here. Like, I'd be pissed yeah. if you did that at lunch. Yeah, like, maybe. I'd be like, can you get off your fuck- your phone and yeah. actually spend some time with me because I'm here with you now? Yeah. Like, I feel like if it was a quick call and it was just like, hey, we're out, I'll call you later... It would have been fine, but she yeah. wasn't doing that. It was like, oh, I'm here. Where are you? What are you doing? It's like, you're at a table with a bunch of people. Like, be fucking present. Yeah, I think maybe just Dorinda being a bitch yeah. before, like, prejudiced True. my perception maybe of that kind of interaction. Um, yeah. But I think it's going to be a nasty season. Like, great to watch, but I think it's going to be nasty as fuck. Yeah. Well, Ramona was making all those jokes about alcoholics at the table. I know. She's I know. like, Oh, come on. I know. And then it's, someone who was talking about like putting on the Ramona costume. Somebody said that. I wrote it down, but I oh, didn't. did they? Yeah, but I, I think it was Sonia. Like, oh, well, Ramona's got the Ramona costume on now. So like, <laughs> she's got to be this way. <laughs> so we'll see. I have a soft it's spot for Sonia too. Oh, um, I love her. Anyway, that wraps us up for yeah, sorry probably we ran one of the a biggest bit. weeks we've done. We've done a lot. Yeah, I mean, that was like seven shows, so. That was a lot. Um, But yeah, we will be back next week as ever. Um, I'd love to wish you a really interesting and exciting week, but we are all, of course, stuck in our houses. However, there is another episode of The Tiger King coming out on Netflix tomorrow. And I think I've talked Kat into doing like a (laughs) catch-up. A mini-mini-sode. A mini-mini-sode about that one show and see if it answers any of the questions we have. Fuck me. When you told me before this podcast that there was another episode of The Tiger King being released on Netflix tomorrow, I cannot genuinely remember a time I have ever been so pumped. The, the adrenaline that flooded through my body. To pee a little bit. A little and a, I mean, a bit of everything came out of yeah. everywhere. I was so... I'm so excited. I think I'm going to have to roofie the kids and just watch it yeah. straight off the bat. There you go. Yeah, it comes out tomorrow. I don't know what time, but it comes out tomorrow. Watch it. We'll do a mini mini sode over the one episode because, like, what you have to. I know we've we've started, so we're going to have to finish. Yeah. Um, but on that note, we will say goodbye. We hope you have a great week. Remember, um, you can always contact us through all the social medias, but also via email at hey at tvmyhusbandhates.com. That's right. You guys have a great rest of your week and we'll catch you next week. Remember, smart people watch reality TV too. Bye. Bye. 
Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. Theme music and production for TV My Husband Hates is by Jimmy Sims. Oh,